Welcome to the Green Canary. We're your environmental news podcast where we bring you the latest on everything green, everything climate, energy, the politics around it all. I'm Ant Sharwood. I'm a journalist. I'm the author of two recent books about the magnificent Australian high country. I'm a bit of a weather nerd. And I'm sitting opposite Elfie, Elfie Scott. Hello, Elfie. Hi, Ant. How are you going? Almost stumbled over to my name there. I was like, we've known each other long enough. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Elfie Scott. I'm a journalist writer. And at this point, I'm going to be honest, I really need a holiday. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about the Great Barrier Reef. We're going to be talking about the move away from logging in Victoria, estuaries, and an important name change for the Macquarie River. But to kick things off, we need to talk about a coal report, don't we, Ant? We certainly do. We do. Um, and the International Energy Agency, the IEA, has produced, actually, I have to say, a surprisingly readable coal report for 2021. Um, it's it's actually, uh, I, I learned a lot reading this, and, and um, unfortunately, the first thing I learned is that news is not good, is it? There are some pretty damning stats in there. Yeah, absolutely. So it is a bit of a grim report, unfortunately. So basically what this uh, report does is break down coal usage and demand across the globe. And what they found was that coal power generation has reached record levels this year. And they're basically predicting that 2022 is going to be an all-time high for coal generation. Uh, so power generation from coal actually fell a couple of years ago, back in 2019 and 2020. Was that a pandemic thing? Uh, it was pandemic related, but it wasn't nearly as much as people wanted to see or were predicting that they would see. Um, and now basically it's bouncing back, um, which is deeply disappointing, I think. We've just had a thing called COP26. The nations mm. of the world got together. They made aggress aggressive net zero targets for 2050. Then they said, hey, we're going to get even more serious about 2030. This is the sort of report that makes you think we're in a lot of trouble meeting those targets and maybe we're not taking it as seriously as we need to. One of the things I did uh, learn, Elfie, and it was a bit disturbing reading this report, is that the countries that have fully weaned themselves off coal, if you like, mm. um, are countries that can kind of afford to anyway. Yeah, they're, right. They're, they, they stick a sticker on their shirt. It says, I'm coal free, party with me. Um, <laughs> and, and you're talking about places like Sweden that – that have a lot of renewables, a lot of hydro, a lot of a lot of that sort of thing available to them, uh, where coal wasn't an enormous part of the mix. Mm. So, uh, you know, the report said things that, that you know, India up 12%, China up 9%, Ugh. and yet these countries are building vast amounts of renewables. It's the sort of actual report that made me think the um, the elephant in the room is is population growth because if you if you've you know, expanding renewables, um, why do you need to keep expanding coal? Well, if your population's growing, that would be one reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I never I never particularly like getting into the population no. growth argument of it because I feel like it can get into murky waters pretty quickly, to be honest. But I do think that, like, overall, this has been really disappointing to see because there was this prediction that happened during the beginning of the pandemic when we started going into lockdowns where everybody started to feel a little bit optimistic, right, that maybe there would be less demand on our energy systems, maybe we could come out of this and transition into a greener economy. And I feel like this is some pretty definitive evidence that that is not happening. No, but 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 the the report does sort of give a give a pathway, a roadmap oh, yeah. forward. Um it, it does talk about 
six key points. Uh, you know, the listicle is the best bit. It's like BuzzFeed, but but it says six key key points for transitioning away from coal. And and you know, there are all sorts of uh, look. The main one for me was make a good investment environment. So you know, pave the way. So. So although the coal report from the IEA for 2021 is grim news, if governments, including our own here in Australia, can make an attractive or more attractive investment environment for renewables, there's a way out. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of government policy here in Australia, we are going to talk about logging now, aren't we? So there is a story out of Victoria this week, basically talking about the Victorian government's new big commitment into the transition away from logging. Can you talk to me about this story? Yeah, well, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, Elfie, when, when we were talking about the Victorian um, Vic Forests, the Victorian uh, government a sort of corporatized state forest agency was found to have been illegally logging mm. naughty naughty on st- on slopes that were were too steep now the reason they have to go to the really steep slopes where it's hard to log is because they're running out of available magnificent untouched australian mountain ash forest so the victorian government knows it's dealing with a limited resource it has promised for a long time to say hey plantations by 2030 now it looks like they've actually, uh, am I going to say roadmap again here? I feel it coming on. I can't <laughs> help it. They've provided a bit of a thing. It's a bloody roadmap. Yes. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think it's amazing. And it's, it's a fantastic commitment to all of those workers who do have to transition yeah. out of this industry, right? Or at least into the plantation logging uh, that Victoria is moving towards. So the transition is a officially starting in 2024, I believe, and should be completed by 2030. Uh, And that plan was first announced a couple of years ago. And it's, yeah, like I said, it's designed to make the entire industry shift to plantation timber by the end of the decade. And and, and Elfie, it's great news, as you said, for the families, for the people. You know, a lot of that is going towards uh, job creation, uh, all sorts of schemes. There will even be social support. You know, the government is taking this really seriously. But I think it's best news for for the spotted quoll and the leadbeater's possum and the sugar glider and the boobook owl and the spotted tree frog and a whole bunch of other animals that yeah. live in those central Victorian highland forests that are irreplaceable. Yeah, absolutely. And you played me some beautiful audio before that we will not play now because mm-hmm. it's slightly too abstract. But basically <laughs> we were sitting there and Ant was playing me like this incredible audio of uh, what the forest there actually sounds like. Where can people find that audio actually? Do you remember? Oh, I, I, I go to... Um sort of greatforest.com.au, I forget what they're called. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, that's yeah. the sound of I me. Would, I would just suggest looking it up because it is really just like beautiful, peaceful noise. Uh, but speaking of beautiful environments as well, let's talk about the Great Barrier Reef because screwed up things are happening again, aren't they? Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah, I look, tried not to swear just then, but I was really, I was close. Look, I don't believe screwed up is, is um, a swear word, uh, especially in the Australian... Oh, no, I was going to say fucked up. Oh, right. <laughs> Well, we're we're a family podcast here, and God knows my family's heard that word a few times. So, but Elfie, um, America's NOAA, N O W A, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, basically that's America's Bureau of Meteorology, right? Right. Okay. That's the weather people in America. They say there's a lot of heat building up. So do our bomb, by the way, um, our bureau. Uh, a lot of heat building up 
in the northern and central parts of the reef in the water. What we're talking about is an on coming bleaching event likely later this summer. Yeah, so it's predicted to start in late January and I think they said that it would maybe peak by it would have peaked by March uh, next year. So, you know, coral bleaching, if you're not familiar with it, I'm sure everybody is based on all of the viral videos that happen around the Great Barrier Reef, but it happens when the reef experiences heat stress and it's basically a response where the coral separates from the algae that gives them their colour and nutrients. And the Great Barrier Reef has actually seen five mass bleaching events since 1998 to the point that I think it's something like only 2% of the reef has actually managed to escape a bleaching event since then. Wow. And I think um, most of those, uh, I know there was one in 98, but I think the other four were might have been this century or at least three of the yeah, four. So, yeah, yeah. so it's, it's like the bushfires. We know the bushfires are coming faster, more furiously, more frequently. Um, ditto the bleaching events. So let's see what happens uh, towards the end of summer. But there might be a, a, a chance to avert a serious event. Um, Her name uh, is Nina. <laughs> and and, and it, it, that's exactly right. Her name is La Nina. And we're going to talk more about that later this week. But I feel that not only La Nina, but the cyclones, if we get some big cyclones, mm-hmm. uh, no one wants a big cyclone. Maybe those cyclones can hover just offshore and not smash into any Queensland towns. (laughs) Just perfectly cool the temperature of the water but not touch anybody. That's the ideal. So if that happens, that is the ideal because cyclones can prevent these bleaching events. Yep, perfect. All right, well, we'll see what happens. But now we are going to jump into some of the shorter news stories that Ant and I like to go through, some of the, I guess, what you would just say is making us curious and interested this week. Yeah. Can you kick us off with the first one? Well, Elfie... um, uh, when I when I grew up uh, back in you know 1731, um, <laughs> the um, big red thing in the middle of Australia was called um, Ayers Rock. It is now ubiquitously known as Uluru. Uh, that makes sense. No one says Ayers Rock. I think, as as you pointed out to me earlier today, uh, it's almost offensive to call it Ayers I Rock. I think it would be C- deeply offensive. It is yeah, offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now they're they're looking at changing the Macquarie River. Now the Macquarie is, of course, named after Governor Macquarie, uh, early early governor in in the colony of New South. Wales as Famously it was then. not a great dude. Uh, according to history and you. And um, <laughs> the Macquarie River is going to be given um, a Wiradjuri name. Uh, the, the local people uh, want to call it the Wombool, the river, the Wombool, not the Macquarie. And um, makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's fantastic. It is a dual name, I should po- we should point out. So, mm-hmm. you know, they haven't totally committed to giving it that Wiradjuri name full time. But it is nice to have that alternative. And I think that it shows uh, respect for the Wiradjuri people in that area uh, and the Bathurst Local Aboriginal Land Council who actually kicked off that campaign to begin with. But, you know... I do think that we can agree that basically the name Macquarie should be scrapped entirely. It's it's an interesting one. It's it's I, I just think that the the fifty fifty it can work. I mean the big the big hill behind Hobart, big mountain, Mount Wellington, uh, it's now known as Kanani Mount Wellington. Mm. Kanani slash Mount Wellington. Um, I don't really know enough Hobart locals. I should have rung one and said, What do you, do you call it one or the other? But I know um, you know, it's officially called 
called both. Yeah, so right. It'll be interesting to see what happens to the Macquarie or the Womble as uh, you know over time, and perhaps one of the names sticks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would love to see it stick to the Wiradjuri, but we'll see how we go. Mm. Uh, and now we are going to talk about estuaries. So there is a new system that has been launched in New South Wales to check the health of coastal estuaries before people go for a dip over the summer, and it's basically a grading system like what you would be used to at the beaches and uh, the sort of harbour swimming spots that measures things like algae and water clarity. Um, yeah, so it's a great way to double check on places in rivers before you go for a swim. Uh, you know, sometimes you probably don't want to know, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's hot. <laughs> ignorance you, is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. Uh, but no, I, I checked out my local um Kaima Baths is, is my local uh, swimming spot uh, near the outlet of the Cooks River, one of Australia's dirtiest rivers. I was pleasantly surprised. It was only sort of in the moderate range, which is terrific. In the Cooks River? Yeah. I that thought... thing is gross. Well, I'm uh, shocked. The thing is, but the, the place I swim is just around the corner from it. And... Um, Look, apparently some of the fish still have one head there. So that was <laughs> really good news. Great. Uh, and speaking of more good news, uh, this week some prime koala habitat has been protected in Port Macquarie. So about 200 hectares of habitat has been secured in the region near the Lake Innes Nature Reserve as part of a mission to double the koala population by 2050. That's really great, isn't it? I mean, you know, it, our here in New South Wales, departed Deputy Premier John Barillaro referred to koalas as tree rats. Uh, How it, dare he? It seems only a year or so ago, and, and suddenly we, we, we look like we're just putting aside small sections again, which is great. Port Macquarie is one of the fastest growing areas in regional New South Wales and regional Australia. Uh, it is a terrific place to, to go and live your life. Uh, it is also, as soon as you get away from the coastal strip, full of beautiful eucalypt forests that must be protected. So good this is happening. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. All right. Well, that is all that we have time for on the pod today. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we leave you today, uh, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which we're recording. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and future, as well as extend that respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here today. Uh, and we are going to be heading off for a couple of episodes. We've got some special ones rolling out over the summer, so keep your eyes peeled. We're not out of your lives completely, sorry to say. But you can also keep up with all of the things that we're producing on our Instagram, which is Green Canary Media, or our Twitter, which is Green Canary Pod. That is very well said, Elfie. And yes, we do have two extremely special, uh, let's call them evergreen episodes over the summer. So if you want to catch up on the latest that's going on in, in, in our beautiful country, a little bit of Brumbies... Little, oh, yeah, that's true. A little bit of healthy river wetlands. It's a good news story. Please come and have a look at the Green Canary over summer. All right. Well, have a lovely break. It's been well-deserved, everybody. Have some rest. We'll see you next year. Thanks. Bye. Bye.